0: nature is extremely complex and the chemistry behind it is very real and very powerful Uh, the thing again is that we've been kind of like brainwashed to think that everything that it's technological and super high tech just comes from man made chemicals when the reality is that today most of the cutting edge coming for skincare and you know a lot of like shampoos and you know a lot of different consumer products are coming from the natural world because we've been rediscovering it because people just want to buy safe for things
1: this is the safari the safari is a tour around the consumer brand and retailing industry and we have the great privilege here at my company traub to really be exposed to many of the great minds of the industry who are forming and shaping the future of many different parts of the consumer brand and retail world. And I felt it was quite interesting for us to be able to not only learn from all of those people as we do every day, but uh, memorialize it into a podcast which could then be shared with many of our friends and clients and, and you, obviously, the listener. Hello, everybody. This is Morty Singer. And today I have Tata Harper, the founder of Tata Harper, her brand, Beauty Brand. She is a Colombian native who came to the United States and built a business in Vermont in the beauty space, skincare, a sustainable brand, very much um, ethics driven and uh, able to really promote a side of the business that's very hard to do, uh, which is to provide clean, sustainable products uh, to a consumer who is incredibly keen to see and, and learn about what's in the products that she puts on her skin. And in so doing, Tata has created... A lifestyle brand. Uh, Really, it's been 10 years, uh, but really she has in a very short amount of time um, become one of the stewards uh, of the industry. And I would say in, in, in the whole consumer industry in general, she has been one of the leaders now in this space. And it's a wonderful treat to have her with us today. And we've got lots to talk about. So let's get started. All right, everybody. I'm here with Tata. Thank you so much, Tata, for joining us. You're welcome.
0: Thanks for inviting me.
1: It's a busy time of, of, of year. I don't even want to say, you know, what's going on outside Please these walls don't. today because <laughs> it's don't. just it's that time <laughs> at the recording of this podcast, the world is a very strange place. Um but uh, so you but you actually you have lived in Vermont where your farms are. You're you're in New Canaan now living, but at least you're not living in New York City. T- tell us a little bit about um how you started your company, about the whole Vermont experience and uh, and the the, the provenance of, of Tata Harper.
0: Sure. So let's see. So I am Colombian. I'm a Latin woman, which a lot of people don't realize. They think that I'm a Vermont native, several <laughs> generations in Vermont, when <laughs> that's not the case. Um, I mean, I grew up in a, in a quintessential Latin town called Barranquilla in the coast of Colombia that is a super happy town full of people that... I uh, love dancing, love beauty. So my my life was shaped from a very young age around beauty because my mom and my grandmother were obsessed with beauty. So um I carry that with me from a very young age about like you need to cleanse, you need to moisturize, like you really need to take care of your skin. So for us Latins uh, beauty is not necessarily like a chore or something annoying that has to happen, but it's something that we just do for pampering ourselves and make ourselves Feel good, look good, and it's it you know, we we bring that angle into beauty. So like for us, more is more
1: mm-hmm, <laughs> when mm-hmm. it
0: comes to beauty. Cleansers, eye creams, serums, multiple moisturizers, all very uh ingrained in the culture. But I am not a in beauty the Colombian com- culture. In the Colombian culture, mm-hmm. yes. I didn't study, you know, like uh, skin biology or chemistry. I'm actually an industrial engineer and I was having a totally different life. Uh, You know, I lived uh, in Miami first and while I was living in Miami, uh, you know, was married to Henry and we really wanted to have a farm and he really wanted to move back to New York. So knowing that he wanted to move back to New York because he grew up here, we started looking for farms up here, like in the Northeast Mm -hmm. and... I really fell in love with Vermont like I didn't I know. Lo- I know that a lot of people love like the Hudson Valley and Millbrook and the Berkshires but I wanted an area that was like a true agricultural area yep. and uh, and I found that in Vermont and I fell in love with the place we bought a farm almost so was
1: eight- this was this before Tata Harper of course the, the yeah. brand? this is just life.
0: Yeah, life. You know, I I had I wasn't Tata harbor back then. I was Tata Guzman, and then basically uh, we uh, we bought the farm. And when he decided to move to New York, I didn't I didn't like living in New York. It was a little too intense, and I was also starting the company. So the, all the social aspect of New York wasn't letting me really focus on my business. So I decided to move to the farm. And alone, and I lived there alone for a couple of years while I was starting the business, researching, traveling around the world, looking for a lot of our scientists, chemists that eventually helped me develop the line and our know-how. And I lived there for almost 13 years, full time. I mean, traveling, of course, because I'm an entrepreneur that travels a lot, but I had all my kids while living in Vermont. They're true Vermonters that grew up uh, in an organic farm. Um
1: and Colombian and vermonters, I think it Colombian wonderful. vermonters, yeah, absolutely,
0: um, and then, because of my busy travel schedule, I really wanted to move to a place that was near a big airport that was a big priority for me, so um we settled in New Canaan, Connecticut, which mm-hmm. is a beautiful community, a small town and uh, and we have fit right in
1: so so talk a little bit about this. You know, everyone likes to talk about clean beauty and sustainable beauty, and it's harder to make the leap from clean to sustainable than people think. And and um, some people use it, I think, clean even in a cavalier fashion, and don't really maybe have the chops to back that up. So you are dedicated very very clearly to this cause about what people are putting on their skin. Talk a little bit about your view of it and then what you think the industry's view of it and where you think there's a missing link. Maybe you're the missing link.
0: Well, uh, let's see. When I started the company, I mean, the mission that I had is that I wanted to provide people products that were super high-tech and that were very efficacious because that is the role of skincare and that's the only reason why people buy skincare. But I want to do it without any synthetic chemicals whatsoever. Uh, this idea of clean didn't exist back then. It was all about being natural and organic, and and I basically developed a line that was both natural and organically certified, and um and and it's really hard. It's really, really, really hard. It took me almost five years to develop. That's,
1: that's three reallys right there. Really, really, really hard. <laughs>
0: yeah, it was because it was really
1: intense. Now why is it so hard?
0: Because you know when I when I launched. Uh, I had no idea about the industry, right? So I just wanted to put my energy, like all of my enthusiasm into trying to develop a product that was completely non-artificial. And when you speak with a lot of uh, experts from the industry and people that have been doing it for a long time, you know, they take you through the typical route of starting a skincare company where it's like, we need a great name. We need a great packaging. You need a great marketing story. So this is going to be great to bring your farm from Vermont into the, into the skincare and let's try to get the products as cheap as possible and let's invest all your money in social media content. Right. And also you're able to get all of the, all of your products as cheap as possible because you're basically repurposing formulas that already exist that are already existing in different labs that already exist in the market with different names, with different scents, with different hero ingredients. And I completely rejected everything about that, which was really hard to do because you're hiring all these experts to show you how it's done. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, but wait, I, you know, I really have this fantasy about my products that I used to buy from Switzerland and, you know, that they're made in the Alps and with this technology of I don't know what. And, you know, you're bought into that whole idea and then all of a sudden you're behind the curtain and you're like, wait, what? This is how it works? Like, no, I am not That's starting this down. beauty company to do that and repurpose things that are already in the market and just call it a new name. So I had to develop the formulation know-how from scratch, because it wasn't necessarily about avoiding parabens or just adding like one or two natural chemical ingredients into our products. But I basically re-engineered the way that the form, the structure of the formulas were done and how to do it with natural raw materials. So, for example, in order to have a formula, it's much more than the actives, right? The ingredients that are there to make your skin beautiful, reduce wrinkles, bring antioxidants. I mean, whatever the claims are, you also need preservatives. You also need emulsifiers. You also need thickeners, stabilizers. I mean, you name it. There's a whole array of raw materials that are part of a formula. And then like, how do you do that with natural raw materials? No one knew how to do that. It's like, okay, you'll be paraben free, but we're going to replace parabens with phenoxyethanol, which is another synthetic chemical that no one really knows about. And to be able to basically re-engineer every aspect of a formula took a really long time. Instead of five months, which is the typical development time of a typical skincare company, it took me five years with eight chemists to help me along the way develop everything from complete new natural preservation systems, natural emulsification systems, natural. uh, And then I also was very adamant in the fact that I didn't want to just focus the line on one ingredient. Like a lot of brands just have like the melon, the vitamin C, the algae, the whatever. I wanted to really bring technologies from everywhere. uh, all corners of the globe and uh, and again because I am not like the scientist that found this like botanical in the Amazons and I'm creating a whole range around this one mm-hmm. botanical and I'm also not a skincare line that it's all about like the microbiome or cellular biology or you know like I am open to all sorts of technologies coming from all parts of the world. Uh, I wanted to be able to incorporate that into a product that was multi-purpose, multifunctional and that worked really, really hard for your skin, aside from the fact that everything came from nature. So that took a real development time.
1: So when you think about the, the, the products, there's the consumer products business, but you're also, I think this ties back to some of the cultural elements from your background, uh, the Colombian culture, and maybe about the ritual. So your products are obviously designed also not just from a marketing perspective. This isn't just marketing for you. Yeah. You're, you're trying to actually tell people to, how to develop a routine that comes from your experiences in your, your life. So talk about the, the sort of the duality of the brand, really trying to create ritual, daily habits that combine, yes, some of your products, but also, I guess, have some mindfulness to the usage of your, of your brand.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, it, it is such a focus on that that when I launched the brand, uh, there was a point that I had like six products, and people were like, "Okay, let's launch." And I was like, "No, I need twelve because I need uh, the regimen. You know, I really need the regimen. I need all of the pieces of the puzzle from cleanser to essence to serums to moisturizers." So I, uh, since I launched the brand, I started uh, this beauty classes that I've been traveling around the world doing beauty classes and really talking about our beauty philosophies and how to take care of your skin according to us. Uh, Because I am a huge believer that, that daily AM and PM rituals are really important. So you can have the best skin. A lot of times, a lot of people want to have the best skin, but just by moisturizing and, uh, and putting sunscreen. Well, that's, not conducive of having like the best skin of your life right so um that educational aspect and inspiring people to take care of their skin has been very very important since i launched
1: we talk a lot about uh, companies being inside out, uh, turning themselves inside out to be able to show the transparency of their supply chain, of their ingredients. Uh, to what extent have you found that being fully open about what you put into your products, I guess it's really part of the strategy maybe even, but but that the customers genuinely resonate with that transparency?
0: I feel that it's, some. Um, I mean, when I started the brand, I wanted to create a company for the future, right? So I ingrained in the DNA of the brand a lot of things that I thought that didn't necessarily have to be done because of marketing, but because that's the way to do business in the future. So um, definitely... You know we are a transparent company. I feel that that is one of the things that are a demand for consumers moving forward, and we are transparent to an extent, right? Like obviously, I've de- like I was said, like I just said, I spent five years developing a know how that no one has and no one quite developed products like us so it's not like you're going to call our company or going to be like hey what is your who is your supplier of like blah 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 and we're going to like openly be like oh sure go to that company I mean if we were buying commodities of course we would be talking about the farmers that have the coffee that have the rice but we spend a lot of time traveling around the world finding a lot of proprietary patented technology that sometimes is uniquely sourced from one supplier so it There is definitely not a lot of transparency there. But what we have been having, it's a lot of manufacturing transparency, Mm -hmm. right? Which is something that it's not discussed as much. And what ends up happening is that a lot of brands end up, just, you know, people don't realize, but manufacturing transparency is probably like one of the most important transparencies that there is, especially in skincare and in consumer products where you realize that the way that things are done is by basically outsourcing everything. And I feel that this is the one aspect of the business that, com- that cons- consumers don't expect that you're outsourcing. I mean, they could care less who handles your accounting, If you outsource your marketing, but they expect that if you are a skincare company, that you are the maker of that product and that you only not not the maker, but that you also develop the skincare yourself and that you are in charge of your whole supply chain, which is not the case for many, many brands. And that has also been been baked into our brand since the get-go yeah. because for me quality control and the making of the products is the most important part of our business and also I introduce this concept of freshness into, uh, into beauty which is isn't it would it be amazing to have a skincare company that makes every product that they produce every month kind of like a food company, so that by the time that it gets to stores, it comes freshly made. It's been made two months ago, and it's not just been sitting around in a shelf, you know, just because your subcontractor said that you needed to make 3,000 units of X and Y SKU uh, product. And then by the time that that gets to stores and ultimately your clients, it's been made many, many months ago. So... Uh, I think that we should be talking more about manufacturing transparency than supply chain transparency, not you know, honestly, especially when it relates to formulations and, you know, things that you're not going to be openly, you know, giving your suppliers away. Maybe what you want to understand is that people understand your supply chain standards. Like, OK, we don't support cruelty to animals, you know, like we are mo free, fair trade, that sort of thing. But I feel that the manufacturing transparency should be something that should be more widely spread. Spoken of.
1: We'll be right back. I want to take a second to explain to you why Traub is able to bring you the safari. We pride ourselves in being at the very center of a very global, very complicated consumer and retail landscape. And in our travels, as we help think, manage, and expand businesses in many different channels and geographies, we're able to meet and learn from some of the great minds in this industry. And it's really wonderful to be able to bring them to you. And in doing so, I hope that you, the listener, will be able to learn a little bit more about what we do at Traub as well. Back to the Safari. So we, we talked about the background, the origin story a little bit, and also the industry at large, which caused maybe the origin story. Talk about the, about the- your customer. Um, they obviously may have started with a certain cohort of customers that became the loyal ones. Maybe they're younger, maybe they were not. I don't know. But but today, as you've grown, you're probably attracting quite a, a, a wide range of different customers of different ages. C- can you speak a little bit about the consumer and what you're learning about her uh, from different ages and different demographics?
0: Well, I think that our, um, our consumer is definitely not like a specific age group. It's more like a psychographic than a demographic. It's more of a consumer that has a very specific view of how they live their life and how you know they want to take care of themselves they definitely place a really high value on wellness and their health and their well-being uh as well as sustainability at large like they don't expect that with their purchases uh you know they're gonna be contributing to trash in the world plastic in the oceans so it's definitely a very mindful consumer uh is what we've learned also we have a consumer that it's purely interested in the efficacy part like i don't have I can't I can't deny that. I mean, our products are very, very, very efficacious, and ing- includes multiple technologies from all over the world. So people do see results on their skin right away, and I feel that that is a consumer that right now is growing for us because you know m- women just talk about beauty and and, and word of mouth and beauty. It's very important. So a lot of times people are like, what are you using? I want to know all about, you know, what are your rituals? What are your products? And I feel that that has been an amazing way of recruiting customers that are not necessarily so conscious about all the things that happen behind the scenes for us, uh, but that are interested in the results. And ultimately, I mean, that is the goal of skincare is that everybody has like amazing skin. So
1: Yeah. One of my young colleagues wanted me to ask you sort of your definition of what beauty is. It's such a cliched question almost, but, (laughs) but, but, but I think it's, it's a relevant one because you're sort of turning it upside down a little bit. You're sort of saying that it's not, let me try. Right. And and the way I see it, you tell me if I'm wrong about the way you do things. And I think, you know, ultimately I think beauty has been in, in the eye of the beholder externally. And you're now trying to say, look, it's really, all about yourself, and for me, myself, and Irene, and just the person in the mirror. And yes, if it's if it's a beauty for the external public and for other people in my life, fine. But it kind of starts from within a little bit, and and I think that um, that, that resonates. I know with all the young people that work here. And are, are they? Am I wrong in that interpretation, or do you have a different spin on it?
0: No, I, I actually that is my personal philosophy. Uh, you know for for me I, I place a a a lot of uh attention in my daily habits my rituals that ultimately bring me to be healthy and express that through my skin um I mean, I am no one that l- likes to judge or uh, criticize why people want men or a woman want to feel beautiful. I mean, we all want to feel beautiful. And there's a lot of different cultures around the world around what is beautiful and how people express that beauty. And I think that that is beauty in itself, that there is uh, such a wide variety of uh of uh, beauty, you know, in, in, in around the world, the different races that we have, the different cultures, some pe- some cultures embrace makeup as a form of art, you know, self art. And I think that the, all of that is beautiful. I think that when it comes to natural beauty though, For me, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to let yourself go, you know, going gray gracefully is definitely not a mantra for a Latin woman or, you know, stop exercising and, you know, all of a sudden embracing unhealthy habits. Uh, But what we really want to propose and bring to the table is this idea that you can be beautiful in whatever way you want, but without necessarily using synthetic chemicals, because I feel that that's been one of the biggest challenges as I launch is this idea that you need synthetic chemicals to be beautiful and that you need to be polluting your body and the environment with all of this, uh, you know, controversial chemicals and what The mission of the the company has always been to show that you don't need that, that you can be beautiful. With makeup, without makeup, in any other way, without needing synthetic chemicals, because we've had 50 years of kind of like brainwashing or marketing just like one specific angle of the, you know, of the formulation aspects, which is that the only science that exists comes from synthetic chemicals when it's really not true. I mean, if you look at a lot of pharmaceutical companies, they actually are there in nature researching plants and getting inspired to synthetically produce cures. Uh, for humanity, right? So nature is very powerful and we sometimes forget about that. So that has been one of the things that has really been one of the missions is not only to get results and, you know, fulfill the role of skincare, but also to reconnect people to nature and how powerful it is.
1: Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I couldn't agree more. So the other two areas I want to touch on, the two sort of significant buckets, I think that people listening to this podcast love to hear about is one, sort of the entrepreneurial aspect of all this. And the second piece is the future. So let's start with the entrepreneurial side. So it's been a 10 year overnight success, right? Everyone thinks it's all, okay, look, Tata Harper, fantastic brand, it's crushing it. And, you know, it's taken 10 years and a lot of blood, sweat and tears. And you have obviously had to take on investors and like everybody else, and you've had to go through all of that. And you've had to, you know, build a farm in Vermont and you've had to do distribution deals and partnerships with stores. And and so talk about some of the challenges of being an entrepreneur in general, forget that you're a beauty entrepreneur, just entrepreneur. How was it? What are the, what are the one or two or three things that were unexpected that you overcame?
0: I mean, I, it's sometimes, I mean, even the way that you said it, it sounds like so glamorous, right? Like a lot of people think that they, just because we create this beautiful products in a farm in Vermont, that it's like high glamour all the time. And it's not. It's like at the beginnings, it was, you know, a lot of like hands on deck, everybody. And it wasn't as glamorous. I mean, we started from the basement of my guest house in the farm, uh, just me and two employees. And um one of the things that I always like to talk about entrepreneurship just because I've never you know my I've always been an entrepreneur in a way like I've never really like worked in a large corporation or have any experiences working in big business in the sense that I'm an employee and in a big business is that to be a successful entrepreneur um in my opinion you do need an a healthy dose of optimism and a healthy do- dose of ignorance, in the sense of the amount of work that is ahead of you. Because if you would know all the challenges and how hard it is, probably you will not do it. And uh, and that optimism just really, you know, lets you power through all the difficult times that you experience in growing your business and making all these deals that you just talked about, and really operating in a global in a global scale. So. Um, I do feel that a healthy dose of both is actually necessary when you're starting a business. I also um, love to talk about how I think that now more importantly than ever, creating a product that that is, you know, that, that that doesn't necessarily follow the same rules that everybody follows, but that actually is different and that the focus is to making your customers lives better is really, really important. Um, I just feel that there's just a lot of the market of the repeat of, you know, how many vitamin C serums do you need? Right. Like how many retinal creams do you need? How many hyaluronic acid moisturizers do you need? Like what you need is actual products that are different from one another and that make that bring their own point of view and that also make the life of your customers better. Um, It has also been very important for me having a partner. Uh, My ex-husband is my partner. We've been working since we were very young together and uh even though we're not married anymore we continue being business partners and it's nice to have that because it's it's nice to have someone that you can bounce off ideas like sometimes not all of your ideas are great you know for both parties and it's great to have someone that you know that brings some checks and balances how do you into divide,
1: divide uh, and conquer what, what are your different responsibilities
0: well we have different personalities so we have different skill sets by nature so for example i am very oriented towards uh r&d and innovation product. product development, Um, also uh, telling a lot of the product stories. Um, I'm also uh, very focused on um, execution and planning and coming up with uh, a roadmap to a million activations and initiatives that are going on, whether it's at wholesale or digital or marketing. Um, And while he's more focused on operations, finance and legal.
1: It's a nice division of labor.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, not that there's no intersection. Intersections, of course, in marketing, there's tons of intersections, uh, because we both bring different parts of our brain to the equation. But it's nice to 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 have that, like you know, someone to that has um, complementary skill sets to yours.
1: Yeah, and of you know, under the heading of ignorance is bliss, what is the one thing that that you found? Uh, you told, said earlier that, you know, the amount of things that if you'd known, you would never have started this. But is there one thing in particular that was the biggest, wow, I mean, that's just a real headache?
0: The formulation. The formulation, the, the, the development of our know-how was extremely complex. And, uh, and I never expected. I mean, I knew that it was going to take a long time. I for sure knew that it was going to take more than five months, which is the typical development time of a skincare cream. Uh, but I never expected it to be five years of my life. Like that was definitely a shocker. And then, um, and then the other part that was really important for us and that really also took a lot of time is setting up the facility. I mean, our farm in Vermont was a dairy farm, so it had a lot of unused barns. So in a sense, the farm really brought a lot of real estate to be able to create our factory or that the Harper factories, uh, and that took a tremendous amount of energy in comparison to everything else, which is nice to see now in retrospect, because a lot of times a lot of entrepreneurs spend a lot of time developing a product and then the difficulties comes around selling it. And I feel very fortunate that that has not been our case. Um, not that there's not been little headaches here and there along the way, of course, but uh you know, maybe those were two of the most intent things. And then as the business grows, obviously having the right team members, recruiting the right people, and then also making sure that you are in constant communication with the right people. I mean, I feel that my role as a CEO changes so much. Uh, I feel that like every 18 months I'm doing something different just because I'm all about working with the teams that need me the most. Um, so uh, also being flexible, and adapting to that, and not to being too rigid, and trying to be as flexible as possible, it's also been a very important uh, part of being an entrepreneur.
1: So when it when it comes to the business of the business, meaning the distribution of the products, um, you know, there's digital natives and digi- and e-commerce uh, businesses. Obviously, there's direct to consumer through your own one's own retail. There's other distribution channels, department stores, and Sephora, and the likes. Um, where are you today um, and w- are you surprised where you are today from a distribution perspective versus where you thought you would be yeah. before? And w- talk talk about where things lie from yeah. a distribution perspective.
0: I think that this is another area that was kind of like um, that we challenged because I remember when I started, they were like, so… Where do you want to distribute your products? Do you want to be a spa brand or do you want to be a department store brand or do you want to sell in Sephora or do you want to have a website and sell on your website? And I'm like, I just want to sell in all of the places that make sense for my customers and I just want to sell everywhere where my customers is, are. And eventually we're in all of those places which is kind of like also a little bit of an anomaly. Like back then when I began, there was very, the distribution was highly specialized and you couldn't really play in all of these places. So um, this is actually an area that I feel very proud of and, and, and and actually feel very happy and, and accomplished. And, The fact that we are in all of the places that I really admired and always love to be at, whether it's Le Bon Marché in Paris or Neiman Marcus or Bergdorf's or Joyce Beauty and, uh, you know, in China or, you know, in in all this amazing uh, distribution. But then I can also have our products in amazing spas around the world, which is so incredible. And also have a website which actually does really well. We we it's an important part of our business. Like our not like dot com, but like our Tataharperskincare dot com is uh it's very strong and uh and 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 it was another area that was pretty much challenged how things were done and and we've been successful at being able to play in all of these different areas that make sense for us.
1: It's interesting to hear you speak because the first thing you said wasn't a channel distribution, it was the consumer. You talked about your customer first. Was in the first three words, it was the customer. And, you know, ultimately, you know, everyone loves to talk about omni-channel and multi-channel. And you know, we've, <laughs> we've started saying here that well, it's all of the above, which is really uni-channel, one channel To the customer. To the customer. Get to the customer. Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, that's the most important part is to get to your customer and you need to get to your customer and, In many different ways, especially the luxury customer is a a customer that travels a lot, you know, so being in different spas and remote locations make a lot of sense. But then, you know, being in the neighborhood, you know, Neiman's also makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's like you really need to see you really need to know your customer to be able to tailor a great distribution strategy around that.
1: So let's get to the future as we as we round the horn of this discussion, which I know I think I could go on for a long time. But uh, the idea of of what's coming down the pike, you just launched um, your Supernaturals. Can we talk a little bit about that, and so sort of what's the the next uh, the le next for le, for le Tata Harper? Um,
0: let's see. So Supernaturals, actually, I basically updated the technology of our uh, Supernaturals. It it it's they've been around since like 2014 but what happens which is something that happens for us all the time is that i love to update the technology of my uh, of my creams uh, whenever they make sense. So for example, just like your iPhone, uh, gets a software update Upgrade, yeah. and also you get the new iPhone. It's not like the old iPhone. It's like completely, you know, it's like everything has been redefined, but definitely they work on, the, you know, the, the camera, the feature of this and that, the battery life. Same for our creams. So, uh, you know, when I launched Supernaturals, it was formulated with a lot of technology from you know, 2011, 2012, 13, and the world of skincare today looks very different. Uh, and there's a lot of like new things that uh, that would sit very nicely in, uh, in that range, that it's our most targeted range, that range is our most expensive um, and also targeted products. It's three different duos. And I was really dying to update them. Um, and that work took like almost two years to get all the technologies that we were really looking for in there. And, uh, and we repackaged it into a more sustainable everything. And also that the look of the product look more in sync with, um, all the technological advances that are in there. So it's been something that we've been working really hard to do. But, you know, those type of updates happen all the time. Sometimes we announce them, sometimes we don't.
1: How do you reconcile, uh, and it's not about reconciling, but how do you get the word technology and clean or sustainability in one packaging? Obviously, the words don't feel like they belong together, but somehow you manage to make them belong together. How does that come is that a branding thing is it a is it just a it's a communic- reality communication it's thing? a
0: reality I know that nature sounds very unscientific but nature is extremely complex and the chemistry behind it is very real and very powerful uh, the thing again is that we've been kind of like brainwashed to think that everything that it's technological and super high-tech just comes from man-made chemicals when the reality is that today most of the cutting edge coming for skincare and you know a lot of like shampoo and you know a lot of different consumer products are coming from the natural world because we've been rediscovering it because people just want to buy safer things uh, and they want to definitely avoid controversial chemicals clean is a term that honestly in my own Personal opinion <laughs> is that clean is a very temporary term. Mm. I mean, uh, everything will be clean. No one will be like, oh, yeah, I want to buy dirty skincare," or, or definitely not. Don't pay a lot of money for dirty stuff. <laughs> uh, and, the, and, and the universe of clean is very wide. Like what you were saying. Yeah, clean could be as simple as just removing six ingredients from your products or removing parabens or being more sustainable. It's an effort. That's what it is. It's really an effort. And that effort could could go in many different directions. We are the extreme version of clean, uh, but definitely high tech and, you know, biotechnology are a reality today. And uh, and we should get used to those terms, because if you know about, you know, all the ingredients that are going in there, you realize that they are extremely advanced and very technologically um you know they, there's a lot
1: of technology behind them so the 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 brand um tata harper has become i would say one of very few lightning rods within the beauty industry but i would say in brandland period ab- about really flying the flag of mother nature planet earth the oceans the forest whatever it may be just mother nature um so therefore you started in beauty, um, and but it feels like a lifestyle brand, even though you're just a beauty brand for the moment. Um, is that how you will remain, do you think, in the foreseeable future? Again, under the heading of future, uh, uh-huh. do you see the brand extending beyond beauty?
0: Definitely, definitely, and it's, and it's something that I would love to see. I have stayed pretty consistent with skincare, just because it's where I see the biggest gaps in the market. Um, I, there's not a lot of what we do out there, even though now more and more brands sounds like they are, they're really not. When you dive deep into what they really stand for. So for me has been really important to increase the portfolio and the offering to my clients. So we've stayed pretty true to skincare, which has been our know-how, but I would love to extend beyond skincare uh, and, and we will. And we definitely will. Um, I mean, in the next two to three years, um, we're going to still be in skincare. We're actually this year launching uh, a line that, uh, you know, it's our 10 year anniversary. So I've been working for almost two and a half years in this line that it's for people that have very sensitive skin and uh, sensitized skin that might have trouble making a switch to naturals because there's a lot of like natural irritants or allergens or things that make life complicated when you have a uh, barrier issues in your skin, like skincare barrier uh problems. So uh it's it's a big launch and and it it's a line that is supposed to be more inclusive. It's an effort to include more people in the conversation and also allow them to get all the results that we provide without compromising anything. Because honestly, like when you have sensitive skin or sensitive skin your skincare regimen is so boring, right? Like you end up using like, you know, so many like pharmacy things that are uninspiring. Like you're really, you're bored. Like it's, there's nothing exciting about them. And also it's hard to get like impressive results when you're trying to be like less is more. Um, so here for the first time, we're showing people that you don't have to go that simple. So um, So it's really, really exciting. But yeah, I would love to do... Fragrance shampoos, um, home. Uh, maybe I, I haven't gotten that far. Maybe eventually. I mean, I you know this definitely you can do a lot of different things.
1: Yeah, you sure can. <laughs> One thing at a time, though, right? <laughs> Correct. So, uh, give, giving you now the last word as we as we end here. Are there any? Charities, brands, initiatives that are dear to you, that are interesting to you, books even that you're reading that you want to share with the listeners, um, just as the last word.
0: As the last word. You know, as a brand, we have always supported multiple charities. We haven't been about like just one charity. So we uh, support many different charities around womanhood, whether that is uh, Lipstick Angels or uh, also a lot of uh, charities that support the environment, the ocean, the climate. Um, You know, so I've always liked this idea of remaining very open to helping out different uh, organizations that their mission appeals to us, not only to me, but also to the team. So it's never been about just one thing. Mm-hmm. So that's a, in, the, in, in the non-for-profit world, that's kind of like what we've, we've, we've you've been open to a lot of different things. Um, brands that I admire, definitely Patagonia. I love, love, love Pythagoria. I love what they stand for. I love their culture. I love even uh, their social media. I mean, I love everything. Their products are really incredible. I love how they also have, you know, basics that are extremely high tech. I mean, when you dive into everything that they produce, it's extremely high tech. I also love Dyson. Mm-hmm. I love. I said I love Stella McCartney. Uh, that we've been uh, partnering for many years in her shows backstage. Like she's been kind of like my spiritual sister in the fashion world. Like trying to you know being pioneering sustainable fashion for the longest time. Just yeah. like we've been pioneering uh, what we do in skincare. Um, the books that I'm reading. I'm reading this book right now called um, Lifespan. Uh, that it's all about your health span, which is uh, okay. it's a very interesting book. I, I started reading it a few months ago and I've been reading it here and there. I don't have a lot of time to read, but it's kind of like what I do in planes or in airports and things like that. So I've been like really, really enjoying that.
1: Tata Harper is increasing her health span and, and maybe and maybe for the rest of us too, through your products and your <laughs> wonderful brand. Tata, thank you so much for, for joining me on the safari.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: If you want to learn a little bit more about Traub, you can go to traub.io where you'll learn a lot about everything that we do. If you're enjoying the safari, please do share it with your friends and colleagues within the industry and please also don't forget to subscribe and like it. Until next time.